Mitty is back, and so is the Smitty and Mitty Show for another week here on the TSMS Radio Network and the Smitty and Mitty Show podcast. It's sports. It's live. Not really. And it starts now. And now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Start your engines! 90% of the time, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. The show that's got everyone saying... You're so dumb. For real. With Smitty. What you just said is one of the most idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Smitty. I've been in this business 15 years. What's your name? you. That's my name. This is the Smitty Mini Show. Smitty Mini Show back here for another week on the TSMS Radio Network, the Smitty and Mini Show podcast. Thank you for tuning in wherever you are listening here on this glorious day. Noah Smith, Tyler Middleton back with me here on the show this week. Always good to have you back, Mr. Middleton. Welcome back to the show. So it's great to be back. I feel terrible when I leave for a week. I feel like you're replacing me and you're you're moving away to find another love. That, and I'm just being replaced. And uh, and sometimes I just hope and pray that you'll allow me back on the show. But here I am. I'm back for another week. Week, enter week number here. And uh, I still love sitting here with you, my friend. Should we thank our sponsors? Dave Middleton, Sunlight Financial. Life is brighter under the sun. Gold line curling. The choice. Oh, champions! You say enter. Uh, you say enter week number here. You know what week number this is? Let me guess. One one fifty-five. Whoa, close! You think I would have just like gone past one fifty and not said anything about it? Like not even a, I don't know. Not, I don't, not even I a congratulatory text to you. I I didn't listen to last week's show, so you could have said it then. Okay, well this is one forty-eight, so. In case you're sitting there twiddling your thumbs looking for a guess, maybe a nice big one for the uh, the bicentennial. Is that what they call it? Bicentennial 150? I don't think so. Hmm. Or is that, that 50? That would be like a double centennial. No, I thought it would be like half. Even half a centennial would be 50. Centennial is 100. Canada just had 150. What do they call it? Canada 150. All right. So this is Smitty Mini Show 150? No, yeah, it's, this is Smitty Mitty Show 148. Okay. So when it gets to two weeks from now, it's just going to be the most boring name ever. There's yeah. no like, it's not like the, the Diamond Jubilee or anything like that. When are you going to finally get over here and meet the little one? As soon as I'm allowed and as soon as. Uh, you mean allowed, allowed by who? Uh, myself. As soon as she gets a little bit bigger. Tiny babies scare me. She, well, you should have seen her when she was down to like four pounds. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Now she's like five pounds. She still sits curled up in my chest, but I'm terrified. Yeah. I changed her. I changed her bump for the first time like yesterday. When you send me Snapchats that say tiny babies scare you and it's your baby and it's not even baby number one, like, you no wonder I don't want to come over and pick up your daughter. Give it a couple more weeks, maybe, maybe this weekend, actually. Who knows? I'll, I'll make a trip down at some point. Well, she's just scared, you know, they're just so fragile. They're so small. They're so delicate. She's going to be at the game on Sunday. So maybe you can. Okay, well, that, that's an easy one. That's a shoe-in. It's a shoe-in for an easy pickup. There's still, there's no way you're going to pick her up at a ball field. Given given that it's a long weekend, we might he- need her in the lineup. <laughs> Batting third? That'd be a small strike zone. <laughs> easy walks. Yeah, the tough to pitch to the roof. Somebody'd have to walk her down to first, though, and just put her on the bag. That's fine. We can, uh, we, I'm sure still we can fa- Still faster than her dad. <laughs> still, still cracks the top, uh, top of our lineup in terms of speed, which is slow um yeah but no definitely gonna have to make a trip down uh we got some sports coming up on the show today not to get off you know personal life stuff or anything like that because when we have these weeks apart we tend to usually spend the first little bit of the show uh catching up with one another but we do have some sports coming up on the show uh the mlb trade deadline come and gone so we'll uh look forward to hearing all about the toronto blue jays some of the moves they made more importantly, maybe moves they didn't make with Tyson Shushkwich, who will be our guest on the show this week. Uh, you had the pleasure of talking to him the first time he came on the show, which was probably a few months ago, at least at this point, if not longer. So he'll be on the show to talk some Blue Jays in segment two. And then who knows what the rest of the show will bring. As usual for this mini mini show, we're flying by the seat of our pants here. It, yeah, it'll definitely be a whole lot of baseball. And like I'd like to sit here as we're recording and watch 
the Blue Jays game as it's going, and uh, Yusei Kikuchi is currently getting a lot of work on his right elbow, which is good. Not good. I mean, it's his right good. elbow. I haven't I haven't seen a re- a review yet, but we're gonna talk. Yeah, I mean, we're obviously gonna talk a whole lot of Blue Jays with Tyson, and then we're gonna move on, and we'll just talk more MLB. It's a huge week for the MLB, and we're kind of in what they would call the dog days of summer. We could talk about we got a oh oh oh. He got like a comebacker and he threw his right arm at it to try and get it and his shoulder popped out. Yeah, I love how you're just giving us the play-by-play even though <laughs> by the time this gets to the radio and to the podcast, it's going to be like half a week old. Still looks gross. And then, <laughs> did you just take a shot of mouthwash? Yeah, that's what they do. <laughs> it looks like you took a shot of mouthwash. And I was gargling it and spit it on the mound. Interesting. I don't know what that was. Okay. I've never had mouthwash run out to me. So, but yeah, we're, we'll talk about some other MLB stuff. Uh, we have like some, some, I mean, I say minor sports and minor sports stuff when we look at it from a North American side, I think. Um, and that is the Women's World Cup happening currently over in Australia and Team Canada getting put out after they're not, not making the round of 16 with a 4 0 loss to the host Australians. Uh, sent them packing this is a big step back for for women's canadian women's soccer right this this is kind of like worst case scenario because the men making a world cup for the first time and i don't even know what it was since like 85 or whatever i don't even remember but it was a while and you know not putting up the best performance ever but making it and having a lot of buzz around them and then the women's team who you know has won a gold medal Mm-hmm. and has you know placed at the world cup and then now doesn't even make it out of the group stage in australia that seems to be from, from a guy who's not like a huge soccer fan in general but that seems to be a huge step back for what is an older soccer candidate team and maybe things to come that maybe we will see a bit of regression with the younger crew about to take over yeah and i don't want you to catch any heat from the listeners out there when you say minor sports event and then go to the women's world cup uh, but to kind of almost back you up a little bit and explain it a little bit more. I was I just talking about for I, us. It's it's a no, minor sports yeah, event we're not We're because, not soccer people to begin no, with. We wouldn't yes. be covering... Um, the Men's World Cup would be a minor sports yeah, event we, for us. To be clear, when the Men's World Cup was on, I think we did maybe like 10 to 15 minutes of coverage on it over like a three-week span. So uh, that's kind of where the minor sports event comes from. And I feel like anytime you have an event that is so overseas... Um, it automatically kind of loses a little bit of limelight, right? At least over here. Um, if it was a primetime game for us, if it was here in our own backyard, I feel like maybe we're watching it a little bit more. Maybe we're playing a little bit more attention. But the fact is, it was halfway across the world. Um, Canada was dealing with numerous injuries too, right? This team was dealing with some injuries. And quite frankly, they weren't expected to make it super far. But it still is a disappointment uh, to get out when they did in the tournament. Maybe it's a good thing for Soccer Canada that we expected a little more out of our our national team here at this event, where, you know, before, I think before the Canadian women's team, and and all credit to the the women's team as well, because they were the ones that really took hold of soccer in Canada to start. They were the ones that started started throwing, started showing success uh, before the men even became close to uh, to to qualifying for anything or to, to even being a winning team, so the women's team is really what put soccer on the map in in Canada for sure. Uh, it just seems to be maybe a uh, maybe maybe we just come to expect a little bit yeah. more, uh, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing for soccer Canada. I got one final question here. We got about a couple minutes left here before we got to hit break and then get into uh, the second segment of the show and talk a little bit about the Toronto Blue Jays. On the note of soccer Canada and on the note of the women's soccer program. Uh, soccer legend Christine Sinclair is this the last time we see her in a meaningful soccer Canada game right is this well, she, is this is this the end I, she's got to be getting pretty close I mean she's getting up there in age she's doing other things with her life and I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, she was injured for for a lot of this yeah. tournament correct so uh, I mean when your body starts to tell you that it, it's time to hang them up then maybe it's time to hang them up you would you would have thought that maybe an, an Olympic gold medal would have been a pretty good time to to hang up the cleats, but she's obviously a leader on this team. And she's somebody that's trying to help this team, uh, help, help the younger crew uh, move in and then take the reins of this team. And she just wasn't able this year, but yeah, I mean, sometimes your body kind of makes that decision for you. Well, it's so easy to say, you know, <laughs> retire when you're on top, but uh, once you get that taste of it, right. I'm sure all she wanted to do was get back out there. And I'm sure looking forward to this world cup here as well. Uh, give it one more shot. 
at the World Cup stage and, and see if Canada could pull something out. But uh, the timing, uh, the injuries, just everything didn't seem to work in their favor this time around. And uh, obviously the early exit here today or this uh, this past week is um, not indicative of what the Soccer Canada program has become uh, over the course of our lifetimes, right? I mean, think about how far they've come along uh, since we were younger, both the men's and women's programs. It certainly is something to watch and something to look forward to. We've got to hit a break. Is it, yeah, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm trying to look it up here. Cause I know that, that Canada, Mexico and the U S are hosting a world cup. Is it the men's world, the next men's world cup that they're hosting? It is the next men's world cup. Okay. I, uh, I didn't know if it was the men's or the women's world cup. I was trying to frantically look that up. No, it is the next men's world cup. It is, uh, <laughs> it's hosted by Mexico, Canada, and the United States, but like, I think like 85, 90% of the games are in the United States, as you would expect. And I did see that that FIFA um came to the decision that they would allow all three of the all three of those nations to be ticking automatic bursts, right? Yes, yes, they did. Uh part of that goes back to obviously the hosting and then uh performances at, at recent international events. So uh Canada getting into the World Cup recently certainly helps them uh get that automatic berth. So that's good. Good news. Good news on the Soccer Canada front. Uh, we're going to talk some Blue Jays, Canada's team, on the baseball diamond on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Smitty and Mitty Show here on the TSMS Radio Network and the Smitty and Mitty Show podcast. Even though I'd just gotten a new job that paid well, I still wanted to be prepared for the unexpected. My Sun Life advisor encouraged me to do three things. Get health coverage, start paying back debt, and build a safety net. When I got my cancer diagnosis... My advisor had already helped me become debt-free with enough set aside for emergencies. When I took time off, I didn't worry about my finances so I could focus on getting better. Today, I'm in remission. Call Middleton Finner Financial Services with offices in King Carden and Port Elgin. It may be warm outside, but it's never too early to get ready for the upcoming curling season. Check out the new Goldline catalog and gear up for the 2023-24 season. You can download a copy or request a physical one at goldlinecurling.com. Goldline, the choice of champions. This is the Smitty and Mitty Show. Welcome back to the Smitty and Mitty Show here on the TSMS Radio Network. Smitty and Mitty Show podcast as well as Rogers TV viewers joining us now. Joining us here on the show, the contributor with Jays Nation, Just Baseball, and the Canadian Baseball Network. Tyson Shushkowicz is on the show to talk some Toronto Blue Jays. Tyson, thanks for coming back. Uh, pleasure to see you again. Thanks for having me, guys. It's always a pleasure when somebody with a tough name joins us because I get to, for about 10 minutes, <laughs> uh, for 10 minutes while we're prepping, I get to see Noah just, just running over the name, saying it a thousand times, and then still just the amount of fear in his face when it comes time to actually pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah last time i think we we did this it was just you and me tyler and uh noah you you did a lot better i'm not gonna oh, yeah. well, sorry, don't sorry gentlemen yeah. <laughs> i, I do yeah. by that uh we had a very very brief conversation about who was going to do the intro this week it didn't last long <laughs> before it came back to me because tyler didn't he didn't even want a second <laughs> no redemption okay so let's obviously we're going to talk a whole lot of blue jays here and that's what we love to do on this show and uh i'm not too concerned about what the season's been up to this point even though we should talk about that before we get to the trade deadline i have been not overly disappointed but not obviously overly excited i think that this team is playing in one of the toughest divisions in baseball is playing um has had a really tough schedule in the first half and, and played okay baseball to have himself in a playoff spot. And I just think they look different than what maybe the fans are used to in the past couple of years. Do you have any thought about how the Blue Jays looked in the first half and where your feelings were? I think one of the big things with the Blue Jays this year is, is and you kind of touched on it, is what fans are used to seeing is home run, home run, home run. You know, Teoscar Hernandez hitting a home run, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hitting home runs. And we're not seeing that this year so much, right? We're seeing more of, you know, double down the gap, a single here scoring with the wheels of Kevin Kiermaier and Dalton Varsho, you know, bunting, but something that we never saw with the Blue Jays. And I think one of the things too this season that's kind of different as well is the Blue Jays have just been a roller coaster when it comes to momentum and consistency. They just haven't been that consistent at, at, as a team. And it's funny to say, because, you know, they had one of the best, I think it was since the start of June, they had one of the best records in all of baseball. But, you know, you saw them go and 
sweep the Atlanta Braves at home, and then you look at the other side of the coin against AL East rivals, they're like seven and twenty-one or seven and twenty-two, and that's just something we're not used to seeing. You know, we, last year the Blue Jays handled the Red Sox in the in the season series. This year they haven't beaten them beaten them once, right? So it's something that I think with Jays fans aren't used to seeing. But the underlying numbers are are positive, right? You know, they they're they're supporting the fact that the Blue Jays, you know, are a postseason team, even though they are in a tough division. But at the same point in time, things can go so wrong so quickly because of how tough a division is and because of how crazy the AL wildcard is. So nothing's guaranteed. But at the same point in time, the underlying numbers are at least solid in their favor. Yeah, they're picking up wins throughout the season. It's no no surprise to a lot of Blue Jays fans that they're having success. But to go back to the point of momentum for Toronto, it just seems like every time they get something going, there's a series where they get swept or maybe they only pick up a win in a four-game set or a win in a three-game set. And it seems like those types of series come along every four or five and just take the wins out of the sails and you got to reset. And for Toronto, winning baseball teams, they're going to have those series, but it just seems like the Jays are having them more often, despite still having a very good and a winning record. Yeah, and I think, too, you talked about some of the series they dropped. Like, it's when the Blue Jays lost to the Mariners there. Like, that was – they were winning, and then they were losing, and then they were winning, and then it was, you know, back and forth. Same with, you know, the Dodgers series. That was the game they could have won, and it was a late blowout that – you know, that could have technically probably been avoided, but it's still, you know, it's just how it goes sometimes. And I think, and and I kind of alluded on it earlier, there's been times where they've beaten really good teams and they've and they've won the games that they needed to win. And then all of a sudden they just can't figure it out, whether it's they got Kevin Gosman going seven plus innings of one run ball, but they can't play the run or vice versa. The Blue Jays put up five plus runs and the bullpen just can't, can't have a day. Like it's just, it's one or the other with this team sometimes. And that's frustrating, right? And that's frustrating. And they know that, right? I think, I, I believe it was Chris Bassett on gate 14 said, you know, it, I've, I haven't been consistent this year and that's not normal for me. And it's something that we're going to look forward to. And again, they, it, this, the underlying stats show that this, this Blue Jays team can win games. It's just that roller coaster of highs and lows that have kind of, you know, gotten to this point of, you know, it, it's, it, it is what it is. And we got to, and we got to win games, right? It's, and that's, and that's all it is. So throughout the career of Vladimir Guerrero Jr., we've seen the highs of MVP, MVP votes, and maybe for some people should have been an MVP that year. Uh, I'm going to put myself in that camp. And then you've seen what, what <laughs> happened, what, what what's happening kind of this year where he has mightily struggled. Where does Vladimir Guerrero Jr. probably sit on that scale? Where what is What should we expect from Vladdy year in and year out, the high or the low? I think kind of what you're seeing from Vladdy now is is kind of I don't want to say baseline but if you look at his stats other than that MVP season he's his his underlying slash line stats are kind of on that same track they're on that same trend I believe like on base percentage I don't have the stats in front of me but the on base percentage is a little bit down or OPS is a little bit down but the 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 one thing that really set him apart in his MVP season was he was hitting the home run ball right he he tied the I think it was he tied with Perez for 48 home runs on the year and that was such a key part of who he was because he was those home runs weren't just give me home runs. They were absolute huge shots. They were clutch home runs. They were those, they were those runs that got you out of a jam. They got you the momentum. And we're still seeing that from Vlad. He's still, you know, he, he did go through his moments there where, you know, it's, it's, it's weird to say that he didn't hit a home run in the Rogers center until like June. Right. Like that's, that's, that's a weird sentence to come out, but he was still hitting the ball on the road. He was still putting the ball in play. It's just not at that, level that we were used to seeing and then on the flip side of that you got someone like Bo Bichette who's once again in contention for the hits lead until you know obviously with the knee injury here right and the the momentum kind of shifts a little bit but at the same time and again I, I alluded to with the JT the underlying numbers for Vlad are still very positive they're still trending in the right direction it's just is he considered an elite hitter now or is he just considered a solid hitter now and if you're going to compare him to that MVP season every time I think as a fan, you're going to be disappointed, right? At least for right now, you know, maybe next year he comes out and does it again. And it's, it's, it's a trend that we're going to see, but as of right now, if, if you're going to compare him to that season, you, you are going to be disappointed, but looking at his stats, you're still going to be positive because you're going, Oh, he's still hitting the home runs. He's still getting the RBI, he's still getting on base when we need, but 
sometimes he's he's going to go in a jam. He's going to go into a funk. And that's something I think Jays fans have to realize and kind of live with in the moment right now. Yeah, I think that that big season, uh, that COVID year kind of, is uh, almost did bad for Vladdy, <laughs> to not put it eloquently. But he... You know, I just don't think that's who he is. I think they're playing in minor league ballparks. He was he was hitting balls hard and he he happened to lift a lot more out of the ballpark than we're probably gonna see, but he's a guy that's gonna hit 114 mile an hour liners to gaps, and he's gonna get a lot of singles with a lot of RBIs for where he's hitting, and he's gonna hit the odd home run, but I think he's more of like a 25 to 30 home run hitter, more than likely realistically, with you know, just a lot of really hard hit baseballs and still a very good hitter. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just now we saw what he could be or we saw what the absolute ceiling was and that maybe tricked the Blue Jays fans into into believing that's what he is um, when he's really not. So one more thing I wanted to talk to you about before we moved on to the trade deadline is on the coaching staff and it's not Schneider, but it's Don Mattingly. What is he doing here? Like what what is the purpose of having Don here? Is it just simply to be a bench coach and and to share the knowledge or is it to more coach john schneider and to teach him the reins of major league baseball i mean you could probably look at both sides of the coin and find and find arguments you know don mattingly similar to you know when charlie montoya was was the manager and john schneider had specific related tasks within the organization and don mattingly is the same way right like he's 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 a veteran of the game not only as just a player, but also in that manager role, he's he's going to bring up things that you maybe never thought of. And those are conversations that obviously happen away from us. We're, not, we're never going to understand or know those things inside the clubhouse. But at the same point in time, John Schneider's the manager, right? He's the one making the calls. He's the one making the decision. At the end of the day, if something goes poorly, not many people are yelling at Don Mattingly, right? Like they're, they're yelling at John Schneider. It's, it's on him. And I think when you look at the end of the day, what is his role here? Well, it's part of that persona of, yes, he's a big league. He's a big, he was a big league manager and he knows the game and he, he knows the ins and outs of what's going on here, but it's, it's John Schneider's show, right? It is, it's, that's what he is. And that's who he, that's, that's, that's what he's here for. Right. He's, that's the reason he signed, I think it was a three-year deal right after the, right after he took over from Montoya. And maybe I, I'm sure there's probably tasks and roles that we're not aware of that he does on a daily basis that, that helps this team. But at the same point in time, He's he's probably the bug in the ear that says, "Hey, this is another way of thinking about it." But ultimately, it's your call. So let's get to that trade deadline that passed uh, earlier this week and talk a little bit about some of the moves that the Toronto Blue Jays made. Uh, there was a lot going around the rumor mill earlier on in the week, uh, heading into the deadline, even right up until the final hour. There was lots being thrown around, uh, at least on the Twitterverse and what we get to see <laughs> online. Uh, but the Blue Jays do make uh, one pretty sizable move. Paul DeYoung gets to come over to the Toronto Blue Jays. And just now as we're recording this, we get to see his debut with the club. What are your thoughts on the Jays' deadline? Is it a successful deadline, at least from what we can tell early on? Or did the Blue Jays fail to make a move that will help them down the final stretch of the regular season? Yeah, I think when you if you were to give this, this a letter grade, I would say you'd be very comfortable doing a B-plus to like an A-minus. And it, it kind of flirts in a couple of things. When you, when you go into the trade deadline, the Blue Jays had two really outstanding needs. One of them was a right-handed bat that could hit lefties, and the other was uh, extra bullpen depth, whether it be a starter who you could throw in the minors because it's an options and he can call upon when needed, or it was someone that you could use at the big league level to you know help help this team. And that's not to say the Blue Jays were performing poorly. They they have very the bullpen themselves have very good stats. The overall pitching. On the Blue Jays, their their stats have been outstanding, but we've seen World Series teams, playoff bound teams, be carried by their pitching, right? And that's one of the key things the Blue Jays needed, especially after last season, what happened in the postseason with the Mariners, right? Like that's that eight to one in eight one collapse, right? Like you have the solid, you know, other arms that you can go to that you could potentially avoid situations like that. Obviously, you're not trying to bring up bad past memories, but um, when you look at a player like Paul DeYoung, it's it's great to see because, you know, obviously at the time it, it makes sense because a Bogachet was, was injured and the extent of the injury wasn't known at the time. Was he going to be out for the season? Was it going to be day to day, et cetera, et cetera. And having Paul DeYoung join the team, regardless of if Bo was hurt is a move in the right direction, right? Cause his, his split stats are favorable that he's hitting left-handers, which is kind of ironic. Cause if you look over his career, he's never been that type of guy, but this season he's, 
he's kind of figured it out. He's he's I know he eliminated, I think it was the leg kick. He's he's doing things inside the clubhouse to help prepare for the games better. That's different. And and that's a positive step forward, right? Like that's something that I think Blue Jays fans were really looking for last season, but really didn't get it at the time until Whit Merrifield kind of figured it out until later in the year, right? So I think when you look at this team and the and the moves that they made, they're very solid foundational steps forward, right? Like they're they're not hindrances, they're they're moving forward. And what the Blue Jays gave up in return also wasn't crazy from a prospect depth, right? Like they gave up uh Roberse and uh I believe I probably pronounced that wrong, and uh, Kloffenstein. And you know, Kloffenstein has struggled over the past few years, but really kind of clicked and found a groove this year. And same with Sam there. He's he's been pitching well this year, but there's also things to remember. They're rule five guys this year. There's no guarantee they join the club in in at the end of at the end of the winter offseason, right? Like there's no guarantee that they don't get picked up and never come back. So part of these moves not only help the Blue Jays when it comes to their roster on the field, but when it comes to the offseason of okay, we're gonna have a bit of a 40-man crunch potentially here. You know, obviously there's free agency and everything moving around. They might have spots open up, but there's some other players that are going to need those spots as well. So I think what this trade deadline does is accomplishes both. You have that roster crunch a little bit alleviated because you don't have these guys that you think you might lose and you don't want to take a chance on, but you really don't want to give them a 40 man spot because you want to give it to someone else. And then you have Paul DeYoung come in who can help with Bobichet on the IL and, and potentially give, you know, that benefit down the line when it comes to off days and whatnot. And then you also have Hicks and you have Cabrera who are going to help in the bullpen right? You can use Tim Meza in high leverage situations with the left-hander on the mound. Now you don't have to use him in the sixth inning because, you know, someone, someone from the left side or the left side's coming up and you want to play that matchup. You can throw Cabrera in there now, right? And anytime you get someone who throws 102 like Hicks, that's, that's a positive step in the right direction, in my opinion. Yeah, you did kind of, or at least I got the feeling that the Blue Jays front office knew that they had a bit of a weakened farm system, at least at the, on the top end. And those guys that they did have some some belief in the Tiedemans, the Zilouettas, the Martinez, you know, those kind of guys. I don't think they were really keen on moving them unless it was a controllable piece. And we've seen that in the past where this front office really only wants controllable pieces if they're going to give up a good haul. And when you look at what was moved at the deadline, there really wasn't much in the in the way position players that were even moved at the deadline period, right? So maybe they were looking at moving, you know, a a roster guy, a current roster guy, uh, to try and pick up that right-handed bat late, and it just didn't kind of come to fruition. But I kind of got the feeling that they weren't too keen on trading anyone, you know, in the upper echelons of their prospects. Yeah, and and that's kind of the vibe you kind of we kind of got this year too, as well as you know, the it's not a, it's not a secret the Blue Jays farm system isn't the strongest it's been in a while. They use some of their prospects to, you know, bolster their regular. You know, Jose Barrios they they dipped in their prospect tank there all these other moves that they did to, you know, uh, enhance the now is being seen. Right. And what I think doesn't help either is the fact that Tiedemann and Barrera were also hurt, right? Like that to look at your prospect system and go, wow, they're not, they're not really doing that well right now. It's like, yeah, but at the same time, these two guys haven't been pitching for a couple months and, you know, and then you look at someone like Nate Pearson, who's had his struggles as of late. And it's like, well, he used to be the guy that we thought was going to be the ACE. Right. So it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, you know, you got to look at it from a couple different perspectives, right? And I think you're totally right where the Blue Jays themselves, I don't think, wanted to dip into that tank, right? Because you, you got Chapman who's going to be a free agent this year. There's no guarantee he's going to come back, right? And someone needs to someone needs to play that position and whether they want to try and do that internally or on free agency, which is going to be a little bit weak other than, you know, Chapman being able to do it. Like, that's that's where they can not only help themselves with the salary, like salary cap-wise, but also just promoting from within and utilizing some of those players that are performing well and and wanting to be in there but at the same time it was ross atkins who even came out and said you know hey this this trade deadline there was there was some guys that we thought would be available and that wasn't the case like you know i think it, i think it was hector gomez down uh at deportes i believe is the, the newspaper he's at i don't recall and he said like oh the blue jays are front runners for teoscar hernandez like and at the end of the day, he didn't get moved, right? Like they, the Mariners didn't move him, whether it's because of the trade deadline or potentially the optics of it. Like this, and there's other players that did get moved, and Tommy Pham, who would have been a good fit, but what they gave up for him might have been too much for the Blue Jays, right? Like that's those are things we're never going to know. But at the end of the day, it's it, you, you got to move forward with what you have, right? And and I think the Blue Jays are are happy where they're at. Could they have gotten better? 
Absolutely. But could they have also gambled a lot and, and end up regretting it down the line when things don't pan out? Also, absolutely, right? Like, that's that's the stone unturned when it comes to the end of the year. You're like, oh, crap, we shouldn't have traded Poffenstein and whatnot because now we've lost and Hicks is also free agency. And, right, because Hicks is really the the first rental they've acquired since, like, Jonathan VR back in 2020, right? Like, the one prominent guy that you, you, you only had for one year. Ross Atkins loves to get trade deadline pieces with control that we've seen over the past few seasons. So it's definitely step out of a bit of the comfort zone, but at the same time, I think they managed it really well. I think another one of the big reasons why we saw the Toronto Blue Jays not go out there and, and, and spend a whole lot to get a lot in return is that they had some pieces returning that they thought were going to help them in the run. I mean, we look at it earlier this week, uh, Hunjin Ryu returning for the Toronto Blue Jays. That is a guy that they've been waiting on to, to make a return to the major leagues. And I think coming into the deadline, they knew he was close. They knew he was going to come and obviously got activated uh, shortly thereafter. That is something that you kind of keep in the back of your head and you say, if I don't have to make a move, if I don't have to, to you know, give away prospects or, or give away guys that are in the major leagues right now, then I think we're in a better spot moving forward because as we talked about off the beginning of this show and as we like to bring it back to you all the time, the Blue Jays, as good as the AL East is, they're still not in a bad spot right now. Right? It's not like they have to make up a whole lot of games in the final stretch of the regular season. They've just got to keep playing good baseball. Yeah, and I, that's a really good point because I think when when you look at this team kind of in the standings, they're, they're comfortable, but they're they're somewhat not comfortable, right? And that's only because the AL East is so strong and the AL West has you know contenders in there as well. It's really the only the AL Central here, like, okay, whoever's whoever makes whoever's first you you go on everyone else will figure itself out right and i think when you look at this team the only thing that i i would cause for concern is the dependency on players like that returning right because you you have someone like Ryu who is i think 36 or something like that coming back from another Tommy John surgery and you're like okay this is a guy who doesn't have a lot of velocity to begin with his whole shtick is pitching pinpoint accuracy and he's done really well in AAA in the rehab assignment. Do not get me wrong. He's been really well there. But now he's going up to the big leagues. And he's facing, you know, his first team to face is the Baltimore Royals. And he, and he did. He handled himself really well. But one thing that I always kind of look at in perspective, and, and it's a little bit of bias on my side, is I'm not a big fan of the six-man rotation. And I understand where it can be beneficial. I know Gosman has better stats than his additional day of wrestling at Ryu's, you know, for his career has had better stats. But it's... All it takes is that one game where a comebacker comes up the mound, hits a pitcher, and then all of a sudden your bullpen's just done and you gotta fight figure out the option train of who's gonna who's gonna come down and figure it out. And with the Blue Jays needing, you know, another another spot for Chad Green, that's another player that they're gonna have to bring down and you know, Chad that's gonna be Chad's green spot. And you're not going to be having those opportunities to utilize the option train unless you put someone like Manoa into the bullpen and he's the long man, right? The Blue Jays don't have that guy really who can eat up four innings. I know Trevor Richards can go two to three or something like that, but they, they really don't have that long man guy. And so whenever I see six man rotation like that, I just get a little nervous because you, you never know. And then all of a sudden it takes two pitchers just having really bad back-to-back days for things to go really squirrely. Right. And then it just, it could spiral, but Again, that's that's like a worst case scenario, right? Like that's not that you know the Blue Jays pitching staff might never pitch less than five innings for the rest of the whole season because they have an additional day of rest, right? Like that's that's just the way it goes, right? It's it's you know, but at the end of the day, things can happen, and I think banking on pitchers coming back from injury is a risky move. But at the same point in time, there's a reason the Blue Jays gave Chad Green the contract that he did. If you perform well and we think this is good, this is the route we're going to go. And same with this. And and everyone knows that Ryu, this is probably his last year here. But also at the same time, he's going to be a free agent. This is his, this, this is his way of saying, hey, I still have what I what I have in the tank. Give me another shot. right? So it'll be interesting to see. I'm really I, And the Blue Jays aren't dedicated to having a six-man rotation, right? So it'll be interesting to see what they end up doing. Yeah, so a couple, only a couple minutes left here, and you know, we're let's go down the hypothetical "what if" train. Um, the LA Angels end up keeping Shohei Otani, and probably going to end up running into free agency. And there were some rumors that the Toronto Blue Jays were at least interested in the Otani sweepstakes. You know, they were part of that um, when he came over from Asia. He they were part of that yeah, sweepstakes too. They were. And, yeah. 
And, you know, it, it intrigues me because, yes, he fits on a lot of teams, but he really fits for the Blue Jays. He really fits in a city where, um, you know, that diversity is part of that city for sure. And I just think it makes a whole lot of sense. A lot of money coming off the books. I think a lot of things are lining up for at least the Blue Jays to be kind of players in this. Do you get that feeling at all? Yeah, I think when you look at, you know, a team that for the first time in history broke the CBT, right? Like they they were not afraid to go above that level. They had the, obviously, the commitment from Rodgers to go above that level. Like, you know, there's not a lot of teams like in the Blue Jays stance, right? They're they're owned by a company. They're not owned by an individual. They're not tied down like, like Oakland or Kansas City or Tampa where they won't usually spend those big contracts. We know that the Blue Jays can and will spend on free agency. We know that free agents, you know, since Ryu signing, are willing to come and play for Toronto. They know, a lot of teams know that Toronto is a team that's contending, right? And at the end of the day, it all comes down to, you know, Shohei Otani and how his how his agency and how he feels in those cities, right? He could say, I don't want to go to the East Coast, and all of a sudden, boom, the Blue Jays might be out of the conversation. And those are things that you know, Toronto just can't control, right? Like, we've always seen... You know, other than like Masahiro Tanaka, a lot of Japanese players end up staying on the West Coast, whether it's for personal reasons or, you know, having just being closer in geographically located to home countries. Right. So I think when you look at the overall, do the Blue Jays have a shot? Absolutely. But at the same point in time, I would say 10 to 20 other MLB teams in the league who have, you know, financial backing from ownership also have a really good shot. And at the end of the day, does it come down to who offers the most money? Potentially. You, you never know. Is it a team that, you know, has has a great city and background is awesome, right? Because the city, you know, that you described is probably like five others, right? Los Angeles is like that. New York is like that. Those. So it's, it's going to be really interesting to see because it's going to be it's going to be an all out battle. I think it's going to be a little, you know, he's not going to I don't think he's going to sign right away. I think he's going to take his time and do this right. And I think every team is going to be waiting to see what happens with him and if he ends up being a Blue Jay, that's that's fantastic, right? Like, obviously, he makes any team better, but it'll be really interesting to see how things progress, and I'm sure the rumor mill train is going to be going at an all-time high, so I can't, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it's one of those – it's going to be one of those ones where every team in Major League Baseball is going to have their own separate little rumor, right? Save and accept maybe a couple. <laughs> Save and accept maybe a couple teams that uh, they just know they won't have a shot. But uh, you know what? It's going to be exciting. I can't wait for it. And if the Jays happen to land them, man, the Rogers Center is going to be packed for like 81 games <laughs> for like the next five years. It would be insane. Uh, Tyson Chushquiz here joining us here on the Smitty Mitty Show. We are just about out of time. Tyson, uh, thanks for hopping on and joining us. Always a blast to have you back. Always good to talk Blue Jays at the deadline. Thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate it. It may be warm outside, but it's never too early to get ready for the upcoming curling season. Check out the new Goldline catalog and gear up for the 2023-24 season. You can download a copy or request a physical one at goldlinecurling.com. Goldline, the choice of champions. Even though I'd just gotten a new job that paid well, I still wanted to be prepared for the unexpected. My Sun Life advisor encouraged me to do three things. Get health coverage, start paying back debt, and build a safety net. When I got my cancer diagnosis, my advisor had already helped me become debt-free with enough set aside for emergencies. When I took time off, I didn't worry about my finances so I could focus on getting better. Today, I'm in remission. Call Middleton Finner Financial Services with offices in King Carden and Port Elgin. You're listening to The Smitty and Mitty Show. Mini Mini Show back from break. Thank you to Tyson Shushkowicz on the other side for joining us and talking some Blue Jays baseball. Here's the thing, Noah Smith. It. What thing? What's the thing? Tell me. It was a huge, huge, huge week for baseball. Trade deadline. You're in the dog days of summer where baseball is your biggest sport happening currently. So we're going to just talk some more Blue Jays. We're gonna, or not, not even Blue Jays. We're going to talk more major leagues, talk about that trade deadline. But let's talk about the Blue Jays quick and just wrap up with wrap up the yeah, Tyson fi- interview. Fi- there. Final thoughts, final thoughts on the Toronto Blue Jays deadline um, and what we talked about with Tyson on the uh, on the other side of the break there. So when was the last time you saw a team make three separate trades with one team? Like two teams make three separate trades together. That was incredible. I, I don't know if I've ever seen that before. Yeah, I want to say never, but like you'd have to fact check me on it. But it feels like that that's something you're not going to see 
again for years and years and years because why like that just seems so random. why it's like they got off the phone and they're like uh hey 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 i want to add something to my order mm, paperwork's already through all right that's fine right it's true like how does it have to be like because like even the genesis cabrera and the jordan hicks trade were like what a week apart yeah like you can't tell me you weren't interested in jordan hicks before that maybe they just the cardinals didn't want to trade him and they really wanted a bullpen piece i i would but... hazard to guess it was the cardinals and i don't know if it was the cardinals who instigated it but here's my here's my guess here's my scenario the cardinals wanted to make a move and they realized about a week after they're like hey we want to move this guy we have a chance to move this guy who can we call who showed they might be interested oh toronto we just talked to them last week let's give them a call let's see if they're interested boom 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 done 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 that's my theory yeah and i do think it goes a long way too especially for um for the toronto blue jays when you know uh, uh jordan romano gets hurt and then the next day Jordan Hicks gets traded for. And from what Ross Atkins said, that the Cardinals could have easily, like that conversation was happening before, and the Cardinals could have easily said, Oh, Romano was hurt. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna cost you a little bit more now. And it didn't sound like they did. They just kind of stuck to the original deal that they had agreed upon. And that goes a long way, I think, to major league teams too, when you go the next day and Bobashek gets hurt. And then you're like, who could we go to that we yeah. know is not gonna, you know, shove it up somewhere? And that's the Cardinals. And they give you Paul DeYoung, who seems to be who's a very good defensive shortstop. Uh, not much of a hitter, but somebody who can hit lefties as, as Tyson was mentioning. But um it's just weird. It was so weird to see three one team make three separate trades with another team. Like that, that it was just it was kind of strange, but I, I was kind of happy with what the Blue Jays did. They obviously needed a hitter. But could you really find somebody with the guys who moved that were better than possibly bringing in a Robles Martinez up later in the year? Yeah, the thing with the trade deadline that I feel like always kind of throws people for a little bit of the loop is, uh, you know, Tyson gave us the grade of a B-plus to an A-minus on the Blue Jays trade deadline. But I feel like the 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 average fan and a lot of people, when they look at it, they only think about, here's names that I heard were possibilities. And we didn't get them, so therefore, it's an underwhelming trade deadline, right? Like, a lot of people were were really excited at the possibility of having Teoscar Hernandez back in the lineup. Blue Jays couldn't make a move for that, whether that was on their end or Seattle's. And now everybody is just talking about how the Blue Jays, you know, they they, they flopped. They didn't get the chance. Uh, they didn't get Teoscar back when they had the chance, right? Uh, even a little bit towards, you know, like a, a guy like Shohei, right? The name was thrown around a little bit. Everyone's hoping the Jays can make the big move, make the big splash. and obviously. They couldn't make that move. So why is it a disappointment to us when we can't get someone who realistically was probably a little bit out of reach? Uh, uh, sure. And then when you go back to the late gr- the letter grading, um, was there really a team that that had an A plus? Like, was there really a team that was that A in the trade department? I, I just don't know. Like, there were, were teams like Texas and, and Houston who got some big pitchers. Obviously. I was going to say, yeah. Um, but does that really make them? an A plus, like even within your division, you look at Savale going to Tampa Bay. That's a, a, a good move. That's nothing that's going to make, give you an A grade. And uh, you see Jack Flaherty going to the Orioles again, something that's nothing's going to give you an A grade. I think when you look at the ALEs, they probably did what was the best work. So when you uh, compare them to other teams, then maybe they did have a, a good trade deadline. It's just, we, it wasn't as exciting as it has been in the past. Just the, the whole spectacle of, I think what is maybe the worst deadline in major league sports. Is that wrong? Well, I feel like deadlines. Oh, football. Like, football is terrible. Football but is bad. Major league baseball is not good. NHL. I feel like has gotten worse over the years. Basketball is still holding on to it a little bit, but at the end, you know what teams game, realized, you know, what teams realized is I can trade for you a month earlier and get an extra month's work <laughs> from yeah. you and really only have to pay a little bit more money. That's I can really make, all that's yeah, happening. I, I, can make these, I can make these quote unquote trade deadline deals not at the trade deadline, right? Like I don't have to get on my phone an hour before the deadline and make this deal that I could have made last week and yeah. had you in a lineup for a divisional game last week. You think there's a way that Major League Baseball and hockey for that matter can can incentivize teams to wait till trade deadline day? Because, it, I mean, it's a huge TV thing. You have TV partners who pay a lot of money for that. And I wonder if there's a way that they could make it. So I have, I have an idea. I have an okay. idea if you want me to throw this out there. And I Pitch think it. this is crazy. I don't think they'd ever do it, but here's my idea. Shark Tank. Trade freeze for two to three weeks leading up to the week of the trade deadline. 
So when does it open? Because it can't open on the day. I don't think that's fair. No, no. So let's say the trade deadline is unless uh, you're allowed to unless you're right. allowed to negotiate, you're just not allowed to send trades in until the deadline day. Right. So let's say, yeah, let's say the trade deadline is August first. Uh, how about you can't make a trade in the final, even if you want to call it the final three weeks of July, you can't officially make a trade until you know five days before the deadline. And then you can make trades. Yeah, see, like I said, I think it's crazy, but that's how you would then again bring up that hype, bring up. Oh, I don't mind that. A lot of deals at once, right? I don't mind that. Two things that come to mind with that suggestion. One, I think it's got to you. You would actually have to unfreeze on deadline day to make sure that your trades are happening deadline day. But the problem then would be, you know, for three weeks you're going to have JP Morosi tweeting that you know a deal has been done between the Toronto Blue Jays and whoever. They just you can't do it yet, right? Like you're still going to hear about the trades. They're just not going to have officially gone through until deadline day. I, I wonder if there's a way that, you know, if you trade for somebody on deadline day and they don't end up signing, re-signing with your team, that you get a compensation pick, a second round, third round compensation pick, incentivize those those teams to be to go out and trade on that day. Just especially for more for the guys who you know. Are, are the rental guys not obviously controlling guys because that's not going to help you but i don't little things like that that could just make the day a little bit better then but our, we could just be thinking way too into baseball yeah, i think we're definitely looking way too far into it uh quickly here because we've only got a couple minutes left here in this segment and while we're on the topic of baseball and trades the new york mets handing out pitchers to anybody who wants them is there a more miserable team to be a fan of right now than the Mets? I feel like everyone I know that even somewhat cheers for the New York Mets hate it. Can like, you imagine being the Houston you. Astros right now and who's an Astro fan? You just didn't sign Verlander. He goes and makes his money. And then he's basically coming back to you for half because, you know, the Mets are keeping half the money. Yeah. Like they're paying for half of them. Like uh, Steve Cohen now is basically paying for two aces to play for other teams. Two teams that are, by the way, have the exact same record in the exact same division. It's like they yeah. just they put those guys in street fighter mode and said game on. I saw a tweet today um, that the New York Mets are. Is it a tweet still? Is it a tweet still? Yeah, How dumb oh, is hold that? on. We haven't even had this conversation yet. Is it a tweet or is it an X? I, an, X I, or... an X sounds stupid. It can't be an X. I think it's still called Twitter. I think it's just changed to T, is it not? Yeah, I don't know. Or to X. Or X. T. X. X. T. The alphabet. Like why? Red app. I don't know, man. It's a tweet. It'll always be forever and always be Twitter to me. Tweeting on the Twitter. Uh, anyways, I saw a tweet that said the Mets are paying more salary to players who aren't on their team than like I think Oakland and maybe uh, Pittsburgh combined, something like that. Like their whole salary is more than what the or is less than what the Mets are paying to guys who aren't even on their team. That being said, both those I guys were that rentals, really badly, am I correct? Yes. I worded that terribly, but you get the point. <laughs> I got the point. Both those guys were rentals, though, right? I don't think either. I think both of them were one-year deals. Oh, another hit-by-pitch. Sorry. I'm watching the Jays game as we go. That's two hit-by-pitches that drove in two runs. It's good. Good. Good to see. Glad to see you're paying attention <laughs> to the podcast. I'm talking. I am talking about it. Uh, but yeah, my, yeah, my, yeah. my point to that is basically they're, they're paying for half or half a year. And then those guys were going to be gone anyway. So you were going to have to pay that money anyway. So you're actually still paying less and you got some resources back. Like well, that's what I never understood about the Jays wanting to go get Tay Oscar. Did you not just not like him like six months ago? Right. Like now we want him back. We decided he wasn't a good fit on this team. And now all of a sudden he's a good fit on this team. I but mean, it's, it's that, clear that, that would have worked out for Toronto. It would have been a good deal. Don't get me wrong. But I just, I always find that funny. It's like, so you didn't want this guy and now you want him back. Soon as the it would it would like it would have been an absolute disaster for Seattle. It would have been, yeah, because they went out and they traded for Tay Oscar. Like a trade that made sense for both parties really at the time because they uh, Seattle needed kind of you know a big power right hand bat and the Toronto Blue Jays need some help in the bullpen, and that's what they ended up getting. And now they need a power bat back because Varshow just wasn't doing it. Like the trade made sense. And you were getting like Tasker. I don't think if he came back, was going to be end up signing here. How about that? A reunion at the end of the year where the Jays just go out and sign him, just bring him back with the signs. That would be awesome. I'd be on board for it. Uh, We got to hit a break. We're going to finish off the show on the other side. You're listening to the Smitty and Mitty show here across the TSMS radio network, as well as on the Smitty and Mitty show podcast across all podcast platforms. 
It may be warm outside, but it's never too early to get ready for the upcoming curling season. Check out the new Gold Line catalog and gear up for the 2023-24 season. You can download a copy or request a physical one at goldlinecurling.com. Gold Line, the choice of champions. Even though I'd just gotten a new job that paid well, I still wanted to be prepared for the unexpected. My Sun Life advisor encouraged me to do three things. Get health coverage, start paying back debt, and build a safety net. When I got my cancer diagnosis, my advisor had already helped me become debt-free with enough set aside for emergencies. When I took time off, I didn't worry about my finances so I could focus on getting better. Today, I'm in remission. Call Middleton Finner Financial Services with offices in King Carden and Port Elgin. Now back to the Smitty and Mitty Show. Welcome back to the Smitty and Mitty Show here on the TSMS Radio Network. We are here to wrap things up for the final segment of the show and say our goodbyes for yet another week. Mr. Middleton, oh, any kind so words? Sad. Any kind words? Uh, I've been doing this on my own for like weeks, it seems. You still do it on your own when I'm here because I'm no help usually. I really. I talk, but I bring no substance. That's fine. So bring some substance to the show. Bring me some sponsorship thanks. Bring me a guest thanks. Do something. Okay, let's thank our sponsors. Dave Milton, Sun Life Financial Life is Brighter, Under the Sun, Gold Line Curling, the choice of champions. Thank you, Tyson Shushkowicz of uh, the Jays Journal and a whole lot of other things that you have in front of me. The Canadian Baseball Network, there's one other thing in there. Yeah, follow him on Twitter, Tyson underscore MLB. It's uh, where you can find him. Does a lot of writing for a few different uh, online sites that you can read about, uh, including the Canadian Baseball Network, because he does a lot of Canadian baseball stuff as well, which I, I didn't notice and I think might be new since the last time we talked to him. So that is- I, I think it was new. So thank you to him for hopping on and talking what our, our favorite subject was, the Toronto Blue Jays. That is it for yet another week of the Smitty Mitty Show on the CSMS Radio Network. We will see you again. We... Both of us. The baby's here. Everyone's happy. I am back in full colors. We will see you again next week.